there was no financial pressure on it. We were just growing the business, trying to make it work, trying to prove it, trying to create this great product. Something's going to be easier quicker than it generally is. And without that, we probably wouldn't start. Oh, it's a different the world day. now, Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, well, here we go, here we go. <laughs> trying to upset me now, are you? Welcome back to the Property Developers Secrets podcast. And actually, this week, we've got something a little bit different. Um, this isn't actually Lloyd. I know that he looks a bit like Lloyd with a beard, but it's not actually him. We've got Paul Hemming from C-Link here with us. Got it. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we did actually feature C-Link on one of the previous podcasts. We mentioned you on some tools which help people in, in developments. Mm. But give us a quick rundown, a little introduction, and what is C-Link? So C-Link is a business which I founded. I'm a quantity surveyor. There's another quantity surveyor who I founded it with. And effectively, what we do is help property developers or main contractors to procure construction works, get trades on site, get them on site in good contracts, good tenders, and good value for money. Okay, cool. So obviously we're developers. This is a developer's podcast, so really, really congruent what we're all doing here. Um, So I want to dig into that a little bit. So you said you were a quantity surveyor originally. Mm. That's where it all started from. Give us a bit of background how you got to where you are now, what your professional career was. And why you actually changed? Why did you start this up? That's a good question. I'm, so my background is, like I said, I'm a QS. I came straight out of school and uh, wanted, I wanted to find a job which would put me through uni. Um, I found a job advert for a trainee quantity surveyor and I didn't know what it was. And my mate said, don't do that. Whatever you do, you're just going to count bricks for the rest of your life. Um, but I ended up doing it. And so I was always a subby, I was always a subcontractor, I was always in curtain walling, cladding, glazing. And um, so I did five years in a smallish family run business in the Midlands. And then I moved down to London and worked on really big jobs like I worked on the Shard, I worked on 20 Fenchurch Street and I worked more recently uh, on Battersea Power Station. And I was sat in the pub in 2015 where the magic happens, as you know, Andy, <laughs> with, a, with a good mate of mine, two QSs didn't really have anything to talk about, so we were talking about construction procurement. Wow. As you, uh, exactly, <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah. I mean, the I've heard QSs were, are a bit boring. The were flocking yeah. in at this point. We were fighting <laughs> them off. But, um, so we are talking about it. I was working on Battersea Power Station, this huge job, obviously, very iconic. And Chris was working on a much smaller, high-end residential project. And we realised that two different sides of the market or different spaces in the sector, and we had the same problem. And the same problem was that not that we were talking about construction in, in the pub, Andy, before you say it, but it was basically that, um, basically we didn't have enough subcontractors and you couldn't always get a competitive tender. I'm sure that's a feeling that resonates with everyone who's done construction procurement. B, a lot of the work that you do could be automated and you were losing a lot of time. And then C, you'll have heard of like on the back of a fag packet agreements, you know, emails, not doing things on proper documentation and contracts. So really, we wanted to create an environment which you could do all three of those things really, really well. It was not my idea. I'd love to say it was. It was actually Chris's idea. um, And he convinced me that we should uh, try and change the way the industry works. Eight years later, here we are. Okay, so we'll dig into the the journey for C-Link in a moment. Yeah. But... um, I suppose that when you did that sort of corporate career straight out of uni and all that yeah. kind of thing, how, how long did you do that for? Mm, 11, 12 years. 11, 12 years. So, you know, that's very much, you know, getting into someone else's business and working for them, doing it for someone else. And it took you a while for those frustrations to come out that all your effort is going to 
make you know other people money i guess yeah. which is what we hear quite a lot and that's you know mm. that's a lot of people's journey i'm doing it's the same amount of effort almost to do it for yourself although there are some you know there's other things Pros to worry cons, about yeah, yeah but um you know that frustration soon eats up if you've got that kind of any kind of entrepreneurial spark it doesn't it takes a certain amount of time maybe but that sort of uncovers itself doesn't it yeah it's it's, it's funny because i was absolutely uh, desperate to climb the ladder I'm sure there's people that think about me in my 20s. I was putting in all kinds of hours. I was really working hard and I progressed pretty well. But um, it came, Chris came up with this idea at a similar time that the company I was working at continued to change my boss. And so like, every year there was a new boss to impress. And I think at the time I just kind of thought, what, what am I doing? Mm. Why am I doing this for someone else? Chris came up with this idea. I really believed in the idea. And uh, yeah. So it was a bit of a three steps forward, two steps back scenario. You know, you got somewhere, you know, then that person left, then you got to start again. And that's the frustration of working for someone else under employment, isn't it? Definitely. You know, the entrepreneurial route, like you say, it's pros and cons. It's not all the grass is greener. When you actually start that, there's as many challenges, if not more. But at least there's that satisfaction, isn't there? And, you know, you're you're actually, well, for me, it was very much, it it formed a big self-development journey as well. You know, whilst working for other people, you don't necessarily get that as much. Mm, um, I'd agree with that. A lot of people have kind of a nine to five attitude, not not quite pushing at the weekends or you know around that. But when it's self development, it challenges you in lots of different ways that you perhaps didn't even realise, and um, and it gives us that growth. I think you said that earlier as well. Yeah, I mean, you definitely think, or I definitely thought it would be easier than it was because yeah. you, you know, like things uh, career wise came quite naturally, like and, and I was progressing at a good pace, and you think. Right, I'll do this and everything will just pan out really, really quickly. And uh, there's loads of challenges, isn't there? I'm sure you know this yourself. But um, it just, there is no way I would ever go back for working for someone. I think I'd now be a nightmare person to employ. Hopefully I don't have to uh, ever try again because they'll just clip this up. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, So I think... Well, let's let's move on to the actual. You, you started up Sealink now. What yeah. you say, eight years ago? Yeah. And it was Chris's idea. How long did it take for you to buy into that idea? Because sometimes a new idea like that sounds a bit crazy if it's someone else's idea, doesn't it? You know, did you buy into it straight away? Well, I, I bought into the idea straight away because, like I said, the two of us were sat in the pub, mm. and I was on this huge job. He was on a completely different kind of project, and we had identical problems, right? So yeah. it was clear to us that there was a challenge. It probably took me a few weeks or months as we continued to like, we used to go and meet up in the pub and try and progress like a business plan, talk about what we were actually trying to do um, before I thought, God, yeah, actually there really is something in this. Um, and then, you know, things moved relatively fast, to be honest with you, from there. I was quite fortunate in that my boss at the time said, don't leave, you can kind of do half and half. So I managed to keep one foot in employment and keeping a salary, which probably is the reason why Sealink is now where it is because it was there was no financial pressure on it we were just growing the business trying to make it work trying to prove it trying to create this great product so that really helped and um yeah wouldn't look back okay i think you've just highlighted uh, the the kind of that entrepreneurial journey for a lot of people there that you know we need to have that blind faith at the start that yeah. something's going to be easier quicker than it generally is and without that we probably wouldn't start because if you knew all the challenges that you had over the eight years 
before you started. <laughs> you know, it's like having kids, isn't it? You've got kids. No, I haven't. But no, I've, well, all my friends yeah. have, and that does You, you can times. understand it. Yeah, you can understand. Well, I've got three. I've got three, three boys. And, you know, if... If you knew the pain and, you know, not only through the birth process yeah. for my wife and all that kind that was of stuff. Few, was it, yeah, not, it? well, it bloody was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But also, you know, that, well, for me, you know, I have to feed them. I just showed you a picture of um, of my 18-year-old. He's six foot four, built yeah. like an absolute animal. And, um, you know, I have to feed him. So even if I knew all of those things and all mm. the challenges they bring through, you wouldn't have another one, yeah. you know, but I've got three. So that pain dies down as mm. well, doesn't it? And we have to have that natural belief that it's going to be easier quite often and quicker than, than it naturally is. Yeah. But that's what gets us through it. And then we keep just chewing off one step at a time. And before mm. we know it, as you just said there, we almost become un- unemployable. Yeah. You know, that's like, how can you go back and sit in that nine to five now and, and whatever else? Because we know so much more and we're, but that's great. And that's when we start then trying to pass it on to other people. Like we do at White Box through the yeah. training, through the podcast. You do a podcast as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You're trying to educate people in, in the journey around that. So, so that, that's great. Um, so you've started C-Link now. You've gone through those early um, pressures, if you like. You've, I like the way that you, you had a bit of an income with your old job. Mm-hmm. That really helps because you know when we're starting to get things off the ground, we need momentum. And Definitely. whilst you're getting momentum, quite hard, it's quite usually hard to monetize that, isn't it? 100%. So you know, for anyone looking <clears throat> to start up on their own, that's that's good if you can sort of phase it in with your job you've got. Um, talk us through that journey now. You've got a bit of momentum. How's it sort of grown? What did? How did things change from that original plan? Well, I think. So my background is subcontracting. Yep. Chris was a subcontractor. He was a really similar, we had a very similar journey. And then we both moved from the Midlands down to London. I went and worked for this giant subcontractor, effectively working on these huge schemes, as I've mentioned. Chris actually became a main contractor. And so when we sat in the pub in 2015 talking about what this product is, it's all about that relationship between main contractor and subcontractor. We want to really improve it. Now, what we came to understand and probably the reason why I'm even sat in this chair now talking to you someone who's in property development real estate is that the product that we'd actually built although resonating incredibly well with main contractors don't get me wrong actually became a tool that a lot of property developers saw value in because a lot of property developers and I'm not a property person I'm a construction person but a lot of property developers right now and you'll be able to talk about this much better than I I can but or even over the last five years are in a position where build costs are for want of a better phrase killing them right Mm. so deals are are either not stacking up at the front end and you can't get them off the ground or deals that were signed off on have been impacted by inflation labor costs all of these different components and therefore we now if you going back to your question which was what has changed. One of the fundamental things that has changed is who we initially thought will buy this product will be just main contractors and just subcontractors. So it is subcontractors and main contractors, but now we have this whole new um, niche, if you like, which is property developers who want to self-build and want to act as the main contractor themselves, actually get great value out of the product as well, which for us was not the plan, Um, was just like a happy, um, circumstance, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, let me talk a bit about how we sort of met you, if you like, okay. then, because, like you say, we've crossed from your world. You crossed into our sort of our sites, if you like, didn't you? And um, and we we reached out and said we should get together and, and meet to see whether there's um, um, a 
you know whether we could work together on it so that came about though because on our on our mastermind our support program for yeah. property developers uh, not the construction side of it as you just said there um one of our our guys kept talking about sealink in in the mastermind rooms and he kept saying oh you can get a cost plan obviously in our world build cost is always yeah. the thing isn't it as you said build costs have has exponentially risen over the past 12 months even longer um, things like timber, steels, all those kind of things, mm-hmm. plasterboard have all gone on massive increase. And, you know, that was a big topic point and people were trying to work out their pound per square foot, you know, and all those kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, usual stuff. And this guy would kept saying, oh, I've got this site that I use to, to run it's like estimates and, and, you know, to work out my pound per square foot. Because you've got to think this is at the early stage when we're just making offers on yeah, sites. Yeah. You just need to get a guide because it's not, we're not necessarily got breaking ground at that point. We just need to get a guide. So there's a process that, that we make those offers. So he kept bringing up your name or C-Link's name. And, um, and I think he was quite, quite surprised because he was like, well, I keep getting these, these plans, but no one keeps contacting me. <laughs> you think that you're going to get, you know, that someone's going to be well, on the phone the next world day. world now, Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, well, well, here we go, here we go. <laughs> Trying to upset me now, are you? Um, so he, and that's probably because we told you that, is it? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we, we contacted you. We came down to London. We came to see you and we said, look, you know, we understood a bit more about what you did, all the stuff you just talked about there, and we thought, oh well, sounds like it's for just really big developers, you know, yeah. twenty, thirty, you know, Battersea Power Station, all that kind of stuff you're talking about there. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to be relevant because a lot of the guys we're teaching, we're telling them to get onto sites for five to ten houses. You know, is it really going to be relevant? And then you said to us that you know your sweet spot, which you can tell us in a minute, was very incongruent to what we were talking to people yeah. about. And actually, then since then we've embraced it. We we talk about you a lot in our rooms because it's a right. real good way of getting that that price plan. Um, because of the way you um, you draw in your data, which again you can tell us about. Yeah, I mean, it's we are now in a position. So our average um, construction size. I'm not not talking GDV here. Talking just for the build cost. It's probably somewhere. It's sub five million. Um, and the kind of projects that your you guys work on or your network works on which is typically like one unit up to nine or yeah, ten yeah. so that that's kind to start of, out i mean someone yeah. doing bigger than that obviously but when they're starting out yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's kind of proven to be a sweet spot for us yeah initially at the outset of the business that's where a lot of our projects were were going we're now working with some some of the larger main contractors as well yeah um, but that is all good stuff to be honest with you for for the smaller projects as well because it means that our data collection yeah yeah is that much stronger and that much better and just so can kind of um, contextualize what we are gathering data-wise. So on C-Link, on our core product, what you're able to do is, let's take an example of nine units. I'm building nine flats in London or wherever. I'm building them, I use C-Link, and what I will do is create different works packages for, I don't know, the ground and frame, for the roof, for the, for the windows, for the fit-out. Um, and in doing that, I would then tender it out to various different subcontractors get three or four prices back and therefore we as a business understand in great detail how much groundwork is costing, how much windows, etc. are costing, not just for one price, but we understand it for four prices per project across each of these different packages. We also then understand what the actual four tender prices were, the contract price was, the final account price was. We've got all of this data that we're collecting over a billion pounds worth of construction jobs in um, in the country, a bit more now, um, and we're then pu- pulling that together, um, and it will get better and better as the data gets richer and richer to create these simple ways for 
people like yourselves to say, I'm building 10, nine units in London. How much is it going to cost me? Mm. We can then look at our big data set and be able to uh, churn out cost plans. So you said in London there, but you also said that you're working all over the country. Yeah. Because a lot of people think, well, if all your construction is in London, then it's only going to be relevant in London. You know, obviously London's a lot different price range to where we'd be up north or something like that. Yeah. How does that work in your, where's your data plan cover? Yeah, I mean, it's a completely fair point, to be honest with mm. you. So we're eight years old. We, when we set up the business, we set up the business in London for mm-hmm. kind of obvious reasons, uh, biggest market. So we've been working in London and the southeast for eight years. We're now working across the south of England. Uh, and the east of England, we've got projects in the northwest, we've got projects in the northeast. Um, and so our data set gets richer as every day passes, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that it's perfect now, I would, wouldn't say that it is. Um, but it's definitely, in my opinion, humble opinion, it is definitely better than the data sets that you get elsewhere. And it's for all those reasons that I was talking about, in that you know we get four prices on a real job, we then see what the contractor the contract is placed that we then see the final accounts and we see that on genuine jobs that are happening every single day. Um, and so the way that we then index out, so if you're in London doing a new build development, that the cost plan tool that you're talking about is spot on. I would almost live and die by it. The way that we then index out is exactly the way that you're kind of taught to index out as the RICS do, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. So when you're a QS, if, if you were doing a cost plan, the traditional way, if you're paying for QS to do it, the traditional way they would do it is they would have something called either SPONS, which I'm sure yeah. you know, or BCIS, right? Yeah. Which would say, I'm going to paraphrase massively, and no one wants to, QS to go into great detail on this, but... No, I it, certainly don't, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> keep it short. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> would be, you know, dry lining costs X per square metre in L- London in the last quarter, and then you base, you have an index, so, you know... London might be 1, Manchester might be 0.9, I don't know, Newcastle might be 0.8, and you index that price out based on the location, and you then also index that price out based on forecast inflation for dependent on when you're actually going to be on site. So if I'm doing it today, but actually on site, set starting in six months' time, you have to index out for that future forecast. Now, we, our tool does exactly that. Mm. Um, and that's exactly what a QS would do for you so manually. You just mentioned some of the other ways, SPONS and is it BCIS, isn't it? BCIS, yeah. BCIS. So SPONS used to be, I'm not, I don't know, it's not my world, it's your world, but that used to be like a booklet, didn't it? Is that still now? Is. It's still a booklet. <clears throat> yeah. So the problem with that is there's going to be a massive lag on that information. When you've, yeah, got, is- when you've got like those exponential rising bill costs, for instance, not only are you indexing out in the country, not only are you indexing <clears throat> out in time, you've got to try and keep up with what's going to happen in that rise and who knows what that's going to be. The beauty of yours is that it's live all the time, isn't it? It's being literally digitally <coughs> updated on a daily basis. Yeah. So instantly it's just going to blow something like Spons out of the water. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, <clears throat> again, in terms of size of the data set, probably slightly different, but you, you're absolutely right with Spons, right? It's a paper book. We use, uh, take, mm. Reminds me of uni, you know, you'd have to do a cost plan with a uh, paper book and that paper book so today we're recording this on what the 4th 5th of april i can't remember the exact date recording this on the 4th of april the uh, probably the most recent spons i could have today was released up to the end of december 2022 i'd likely be indexed they, i think they released per quarter fact check me on that i'm not 100 sure but they released per quarter and so the best data set that i would have is spons but based on 
Q4 of 2022 now, as opposed to what is actually happening today in today's market. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that's that's obviously you know that's used in digital technology to keep it to the to the button, isn't it? Which is yeah. which is brilliant. Um, and as you say, that's that's widening throughout the country as you as you, you grow. But 100%. you're you know you've got really good realistic data, and you know we've seen that we've put it against some of our old um, our old costs of actual mm-hmm. costs on sites and checked it in different ways. And our mastermind has done the same, and other ways that we've taught them how they can check as well. And it, it holds up to all of it. You know, it's brilliant. So, um, so yeah, that's really good. Um, what's the plans for the future? Plans for the future uh, for what what our mission is as a business is to make construction a better, fairer, more equitable place for everyone who's involved. Right. So we kind of sit across a number of stakeholders. We've got. Property developers, we've got main contractors and we've got subcontractors. My background is subcontracting. And on that basis, you know, bad news kind of falls down, comes down to the bottom. So it was always very difficult being a subcontractor. Uh, So what we want is to build this ecosystem where through high quality, intelligent process, so not back of the fag packet agreements, you know, properly putting together tender documents, properly putting together contract documents, basing the initial outset on good data means that every single stakeholder, whether you're a property developer, main contractor, subcontractor, whoever you are, is working more efficiently and is working to better programs. Everyone wants better programs and is working to better profitability. So really the plan is we've got, we know we've got an amazing product now. People love it. Um, core product and cost planning tool. Um, and we just want to get it out there as much as possible, improve that data set so that what where I would vision our vision would be in two or three years time is that you could have the perfect data set for your cost plan anywhere in the country at any time going to great detail or less detail that's really the vision okay well that sounds that sounds great mm. um and obviously as we say that you know, from our world as developers if we can solve a problem or get around an issue that other people can't do that's how we can differentiate ourselves yeah. from others in the market get more deals, better deals, you know, build better relationships with agents and, you know, everything's about relationships, isn't it, right? Definitely. So if you can do things and, and, and the way you can do that is to have better information in the front door, isn't it? If other people are using rules of thumb and <coughs> finger in the air, well, there's only one way. If you haven't got the information, there's only one way you can protect yourself, isn't there? Yeah. You've got to put a bigger margin in it. You've got to put a bigger um, contingency in it because you're not sure what's going to go wrong. Yeah. If you can have better live information and be you know, and prove that that works, then you can be sharper on your costs, you can negotiate better, you can give the the agents and the vendors more confidence that you can actually do the deal that you say you're going to do. Because actually in our world, 60% of deals that get agreed actually fall out of bed because when they do their due diligence, they realise that they can't afford to do the job that at the price that they've, um, that they've said they're going to buy it. 100%. I mean, there's that front, from the outset getting your numbers right, getting your numbers more accurate so you're getting the right deals. But then how do you actually build it out on the basis of self-build? And I've spoken to a lot of developers over time and I would never say that removing the main contractor, easy. It's not easy at all. And, you know, you can save good money doing it, but I was talking to someone yesterday actually about it. I was saying, just imagine that you're spending a million pounds with a main contractor. What does that look like, self-build? And... Again, generic numbers, everything's subjective. But self-build, you'd probably take out 10% rough, roughly for overheads and profit of the main contractor, then maybe take out 
another 5-10% allocated to the prelim of that main contract, whether that's management or site setup, right? So you think, oh God, it's all of a sudden it's 800 grand. And don't hold me to these numbers. I know that it, mm-hmm. every, every job is different, but so it's 800 grand, but you're not going to save 200,000 because you need someone to run the site. So you need a site manager, a project manager, right? So that's, I don't know, 50, 60,000. So you're at 850, 860,000. Then you need site setup, you need some health and safety, but we envisage that you can take 10% off a main contract cost by self-building. And the way we talk about it is, if you're a developer, what, how much money are you gonna spend on construction over, are you a short-term developer or do you have a long-term roadmap for development? Because if you do have a long-term roadmap for development and you're probably gonna spend 10 million pounds on construction over the next 10, 20 years, if you can strategize that you're going to self-build and set up for self-build, you can definitely save money. Um, and that 10 million is, you'd save a million pounds, extra million pounds in your pocket. But it's about resourcing it in an adequate and professional way. And I think um, it's there and it's achievable. Um, and there's certain things that you need to do to get in place to be able to self-build. And if you can do that, then you can be different from the mass market, in inverted commas, whereby... You can do the deals that other people can't do because you've got that edge in terms of your overall cost base. Yeah, sounds awesome. And you know that's what we've seen with, from you guys, and that's what was impressed us. We've had you speak on our stage to our our uh, masterminders and our support group. Throwing snowballs at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to make any sense <laughs> to anyone else on here. But we had a bit of fun, didn't we? Which yes. probably a bit weird for you because you weren't really in our world at that point. But yeah, that's all cool. Um, so that's the. You know, the C-Link side of it, I know where C-Link's going now. I know where you've come from. Mm-hmm. But what what about Paul? So Paul started as uh, working for someone else, got into the entrepreneurial road. You're eight years in now. Where do you envisage going yourself? You know, what's your ambitions personally? Um, I didn't expect that. No, no, you didn't. That's why I said it. He's grinning for me to hear about that, isn't he? He's happy with that. Um, I don't really know. I know what our plans are business-wise. We've got... A, five-year business plan that we're executing now I mean on a completely personal level um, my missus is Italian and she wants to live in Italy again we're both living in London at the moment so I know that that is where my life is probably going to take me what that means business-wise TBC Um, but like I said we've got this five-year business plan which as a team, we're absolutely focused on executing. So yeah, yeah, but you know, like you, you're embracing technology, aren't you? That's mm. the whole point of what you do. So you can do that from anywhere, right? It doesn't matter. Definitely, it doesn't matter. You know, we just talked before we started the Don't interview. Don't say that you want to move to my. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, she's not going to listen to this, mate. She's got well, to get through. She will. Oh, I'll make it. <laughs> she's got to get through all that boring bit about what you do at work to get to this bit, mate. She's never going to make half an hour. Snip of that. it up. Snip it up. <laughs> But um, we just talked there about, you know, some of the stuff that you like doing outside of it. You like your road trips. You know, I went on the, we were talking about, I went on the bike trips uh, around the, the Scotland, the North Coast mm. 500. And you go to road trips, you go to Ireland actually after yeah. this. And you go to Italy a couple of times a year. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, you love that side of it. You know, you love travel. So, yeah, you, like I say, you can do what you want anywhere, can't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I do have a uh, stupid game running with my friends. It's, it's kind of petered out a little bit as we've got older but it is to who's the first one to get to 100 countries we were always very focused on travel i'm winning i'm on 66 okay but i haven't done a huge amount in the last few years so i'll have to get back to that okay well that's good but you know like i said everything's everything we do in property business whatever is all relationships isn't it so you know i just wanted everyone to know a bit about paul who's behind c-link you know what because 
you know, we like to think white box are a bit different. You know, like you can just be the corporate front of everything, but actually there's people behind it, aren't there? And, yeah. and if you like the people behind it, you probably like what the business does, don't you? Hopefully. Let's see. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll put a poll on after this. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if anyone likes it or not. But look, thanks for coming in. Um, you've come into our studio. You made the trip here. Um, I think it's really good for you know the listeners of the podcast to understand what Sealink do, how they can help them, mm-hmm. understand that journey. And I think they do now. So... Yeah, how do, how do people get in touch with you? Um, so the website is c-link.com. Feel free to drop me an email, paul at c-link.com. We can do a demo, can show you um, anything. I can drop, drop some links over, yeah. But thanks for having me on. It's been a great pleasure, apart from when you took it to the personal level. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're going to have your out of office on now. <laughs> I'm traveling, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, thanks for having but, me on the show. No, cool. We'll put some links in under here, how people can get hold of you as well. And people can get a demo, can they? You said they're about, you can set up a demo. Yeah, absolutely. And we've done a few ebooks about how you self-build from a construction um, perspective. And there's a couple of episodes of our podcast where we've gone really deep into the numbers and mm-hmm. kind of like getting a bit boring in terms of like the construction detail of what you need to do to achieve that. But if you are thinking about self-build, there's a few um, bits which I can share. Um, okay, so we'll really put the links to the podcast under here as well because okay. it's obviously, you know, there'll be people who are interested in that. People who can't sleep, for instance, you know, <laughs> they've got trouble sleeping and they want to listen to them a couple of episodes. Listen to me there. drone on. <laughs> so, but no, it's good that if there'll be people who are interested in the real detail of it, I'm yep. sure. So that's no, cool. But yeah, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having a me. Great episode. Um, get in touch with Sealink. Awesome. <laughs>